0: Mondays at 9.30. The Matt
1: Hasselback Show. Every Wednesday from 9 to 10. And every Seahawks
0: game. game. Hawks, Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer.
2: Welcome to Hawks Live every Thursday at 7 p.m. right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. I'm Michael Bumpus here with Paul Moyer. If you are a true Hawks fan and you didn't know the Hawks lost 26-17 to last Thursday, I forgive you, okay? It's, it's all right. We, we don't want to remember that, but we have to go through what happened, Moyer. And my initial reaction to that loss was first half, second half. And it, it sounds pretty familiar. The first half, the Hawks go into halftime up 7-3. to The second half, they're outscored 23-10. to And in all of that madness – They happen to lose the most important player on their football team, Russell Wilson. He's out for three to six weeks. First injury he's ever had in his career as a football player, which is pretty amazing in itself. Um, Thoughts on the Rams game, and then we'll, we'll move forward.
0: Well, I thought first half defensively we did some nice things. You know, you go back and watch the video. You know, Rams probably missed on a few things that they saw, and they got us in the second half, particularly going after our defense with with a a zone route concept, that it's tough. The Seahawks will adjust to it. it uh, I saw it a bunch over the the weekend, so I, I thought we played hard. I liked what we did offensively. You know, when we when we had the lead, um, but you, you obviously you lose Russell. That's tough. Uh, Geno Smith comes in. That was a great drive. Uh, we'll talk obviously more about him. I'm excited that you know for an older guy he's still got great legs, yeah, and that's going to be important moving forward. So, look, Ram game was competitive. Uh, I look at that game, and, you know, again, I was reading a bunch of the tweets and the negativity. Man, the only negativity, honestly, it came down to five plays. Five, maybe three. And I'm going to really emphasize this, too. When you play a great team, your best players have to shine. And so I'm going to go with our three or four of our highest paid players. Okay. Russell Wilson, Jamal Adams. Bobby Wagner, Dwayne Brown. In that game, there were four or five plays that were huge in that game, and if they play the way they're capable and make the plays, we're in great shape. And I'll only give a couple examples. First example was third down, and we got a cover two on the Rams. We've got the lead. We're going to get off the field, cover two, perfect call in that situation. Mm-hmm. they read it wrong, they throw into coverage where Jamal is in perfect shape and, and for whatever reason, Paul uh, Jamal doesn't adjust to that pass. At worst, knockdown, interception, no chance that that should have ever been
2: caught. you talking about that long throw, long pass to Deshaun? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and
0: that was it was a third down play. Yeah. So th- So there's two things going on there. So why is that? And so that's a big play. Our best players have to make those plays. Those are give me plays. Not only did we not get off the field, they make the play go down and score. I'm going to throw another one. Russell Wilson, I mean, people give me a little heat on this one, the, the play he hurts his finger on. We run a mm. double move, a stutter go with Lockett. It's a beautiful play. It was pretty. He's open by 20 yards, maybe 50, and I'm exaggerating. Um, it, Russell gets some pressure, but he's open. Russell can make that throw. He overthrows him in that situation You know, to, to magnify that issue. You know he hurts his finger and he's out for six weeks. Third one, I'll stop it at at this. We get a touchdown again. Dwayne Brown gets called for holding. Play comes back. Not only do we not score, I think we miss a field goal. So those three plays are worth. Uh, well, there's fourteen. Uh, uh, that's that's twenty one points really that end up costing the Seahawks three plays. Those are your three best players. And there's some. You know, there's a couple plays again where Bobby Wagner. I expect him on these long situations to, to to play better in those two. So not that anybody even played that poorly. Everybody's nitpicking. I go, I'm telling you, it's three <laughs> or four plays that are, tw- it's a 21 point difference on that. And you end up winning that thing. And even with all that, We got the ball with two minutes left.
2: Had a chance.
0: Down six. Mm -hmm. So I'm not that discouraged. I was disappointed. We we lose our best player. We don't have Chris Carson. Did we have Chris? No, we didn't have Chris Carson, right? Uh, You know, defensively, we we, we talked off air a bunch. We just got to get tighter in understanding pattern reads. And I gave you a really good example of one. If they can learn these little subtleties, Instead of them being big plays downfield, they're interceptions, or they have to pull the ball down and dump it off. And part of it is getting to know each other. It's still rep. You- so uh,
2: let me ask you: this. So when, as a coach, you've coached in the league, yeah, right? When as a coach, do you look at your coaching and staff and you look at your players? You go, look, like, look, guys, this is just who we are. You know, I don't know if we can get these things right, or is it just a constant battle every single week? Uh, just try to tweak a thing here or there, and hopefully, eventually. They figured it out because at some point, if it doesn't get figured out, the season is just gone. And, and we're not at the point right now where the season is gone.
1: No,
0: we're, we're what, 28% through the season or, yeah. or whatever it is with the extra game now. Um, so two things to that. Uh, look, some of it is I may just have a really special player. I'm looking at Jamal Adams. we, we got to stop playing Jamal Adams as a, as a traditional safety. He's not a cover two safety. He's an in-the-box safety. Yeah. Uh, you you got to adapt whatever it is. We, we it may be pulling Bobby Wagner off on third down and putting him in for blitzes and things like that. Because I really believe you need to have Marquise Blair back as another safety. You got two digs in him, and then have a nickel, and then Jamal Adams. You know, or you got to put Jamal more in the nickel situation, which that didn't work because you know he's not going to man up all day on the slot. So that that's when so somebody has a special skill that maybe you go okay. That's not a strength. I don't know if that's going to improve. Then then I just got to live with some things, right? The other one, though, is the offenses now are so complex, right? Multiple formations, lots of different, you know, I'm in gun. I'm under center. I got all these different play actions, boots. I've, you know, I've got RPOs, which you saw a bunch or at least a few times with the Rams. There's a lot going on there. Man, there's just not enough reps. So some people, it's like, well, do you get more complex on defense? Do you get less? You know, is it too simple? So I think it's it's one of those where I'm looking with the Seahawks is, are we getting a little better every week? And I think we are. Okay. I thought we played better last week. It's just they hit us on these four or five plays in a row with the same route, and we just really weren't adjusting to it. Maybe it's pass, right? It's really everything with defense. I. I I could look at that, which I did the the, the video, and go, okay, we're going to be okay. I feel better now than I did two weeks ago. Well, that's good.
2: Sure. So you think we're going to be okay, which is which is good. 12, you guys heard it here first. Paul Moyer tells you it's going to be okay, but you lose number three. Mm. Now, Geno Smith comes in, he puts together a great drive, 10 plays, 98 yards, finishes with a 23-yard touchdown to DK Metcalf. Will Disley got involved. He was 5 for 7, 77 yards, one touchdown during that drive. This guy in his career has 30 touchdowns. He's thrown 30 touchdowns, 37 interceptions, seven rushing touchdowns. What did you see out of Geno that will back up what you said? Defensively, they're going to be all right. Offensively, are these guys going to be all right?
0: Yeah, I think offensively we will be fine. Now, it's easy to say after somebody comes in the middle of a game and executes on the game plan when he's not being game planned against. We've talked about that forever. We'll see how – this weekend he's gonna get a ton of blitzes that's what Pittsburgh does you know blitzes is both good and bad it is is an offensive coordinator and a quarterback hey, the one nice thing is blitz and man to man I know who I'm throwing to mm-hmm. usually but now I've got pressure you know there's a lot, a lot that goes with that Uh, If Chris Carson plays, I'm feeling a little better. We'll see where that goes Um, because I do believe we can't put as much pressure on him as we do with Russell. We got to run the football. I think we're gonna be offensively. I we're gonna be great. And again, if we need him for eight games, you know, game plans. I mean, you're looking, you're losing one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the NFL and Russell Wilson. But Geno looked good. He he looked mobile. Uh, He was accurate. He ran the offense. That last interception wasn't his fault, though. I wish he had dumped it off on the sideline to, I think it was Travis Homer, because he was about seven yards downfield, no one on him. Um, I think we're going to be fine. I think it really comes back more, though, Bump. Is our defense dominant enough or good enough right now to give Geno and the offense a chance to just take – a? Fraction of a step
2: back. I, I think that's key. The defense has to carry the offense, at least to mm-hmm. start or at some point during the game, is going to be like, okay, defense, make your player or two and get these guys going. They're going up against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who we know Ben Roethlisberger is not the most mobile quarterback. He's not throwing the ball down the field like he used to do it. They do have weapons in Chase. Uh, Claypool. we also have Deontay Johnson on the other side. Najee Harris is coming off his best game as a rookie. So they will be challenged. They've won once in Pittsburgh in the last 20 years. The last time they won was 2019. That's when Ben started to feel like an old man. He hurt his elbow against the, the Seahawks and didn't come back. But I'm with you. I think there's enough to go into this game optimistic. Even though Geno's going to be at the quarterback spot, they might change the offense a little bit, but not too much. And you know what? We're going to ask Ray Fittipaldo from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette about that when we return right here on Hawks Live. Hawks,
1: Hawks live. live,
2: every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Hawks Live every Thursday right here on 710 ESPN with me, Michael Bombus, and my guy, Paul Moyer. And now we get to speak to Ray Fittipaldo from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Ray, what's up, man? Good
3: to be with you tonight. How are you?
2: Hey, nice to hear your voice again. We spoke to you, what, two years ago um, in the pre- and post-game show when the Hawks went down to Pittsburgh. And some familiarity going on, man, at least a little bit. We have a quarterback who was injured in Russell Wilson. Last time the Hawks went down there, Ben Roethlisberger was banged up. What's the mood there in Pittsburgh? You guys are coming off a win, uh, three losses prior to that. You beat the Cleveland Browns. What's the vibe over there?
3: Yeah, I mean, listen, they're 2-3 right now. They're looking to get to 3-3 three and three before they get to their bye next week. So, um, you know, I think they realize that the Seahawks are coming in here a little bit banged up. You know, not only are they going to have to play without Russell William, uh, Wilson for the first time. Uh, in a decade, but they're, they're coming in here with, um, a defense that's given up a lot of yards. So, uh, you mentioned it. They're coming off a nice win against the Broncos, the offense after a really rough start got on track. So I don't want to say that, the, you know, the fans are thinking the Steelers turned the corner, but I, I think they see a very real opportunity for them to get back to 500 at the bye. And considering the way the season started, you know, that would be a positive development.
2: Thanks for that, Ray. It was the Denver Broncos, and during that game, Najee Harris has the best game of his career so far. What do you guys seeing out of Najee?
3: He's really good. I think he's going to have a chance to be even better when he gets an offensive line that uh, is a little bit better than this one. Um, you know, the Steelers have four new starters um, up front. There's two rookies. Uh, rookie Kendrick Green is a starting center. And they're starting uh, a rookie fourth-round pick, Dan Moore, at left tackle. And there's, there's just a, a lot of youth, a lot of inexperience. I thought they played their best game against the Broncos. You know, Broncos came to Pittsburgh with a top-five defense. I, I still think they're, you know, they're they're a pretty good defense. But you know, the running game finally got untracked, and I and I think that was the entire key to this Steelers offseason. They they needed to take the pressure off Ben Roethlisberger. Um, you know, he's not a guy at age 39 who can carry an offense anymore, but I think a lot of people think that he could still be an effective quarterback if he has a good running game. They they finally got that last week, and Najee Harris was a huge part of that. So um, I, I think this guy's going to be a really, really good player for a long time. Um, and once this offensive line situation gets settled, I think you're going to see that guy blossom.
0: It is weird to see Pittsburgh right now. They're ranked 27th in offense. I want to say 31st, maybe in rushing average. And I mean, they because they've always had such a good. And David DeCastro, you lose. I coached him in high school. One of the great ones of all time. Just great, great people. But it, is it the offensive line? Is that the biggest issue, or is it still you know just been with Father Time?
3: Yeah, I, I would say offensive line first and then Ben second. You know, Ben, when they, when they were on that three-game losing streak, he was turning the ball over a little bit. And uh, when he turns the ball over, um, you know, he just puts that defense in a bad situation. I mean, listen, this Steelers' defense statistically doesn't rank where it ranked last year. Um, but that's because they've been injured. You know, T.J. Watt was banged up. Um, Devin Bush has been in and out of the lineup. They're just not um, – they just haven't hit their stride yet on defense. But once they do, this is a really, really good defense. And this offense under Ben Roethlisberger doesn't have to take a lot of chances. You know, they can – you know, he could be, a you know, a, a game manager and they could still win a lot of football games. So they're still searching for their identity as a team. I, th- I think, you know, when everyone gets healthy, I think they're, this is going to be – um, you know, a stingy defensive team that um, can win with with a, with a decent offense. But, you know, right now they're still trying to find their way. They've still got a few injuries they're dealing with, but it's a much better situation uh, than it was a couple of weeks ago when seemingly half their lineup on defense was out with injuries.
0: Well, I'm going to stay with defense then, uh, my next question. Uh, Keith Butler is your defensive coordinator. I'm going to date myself. I played with Keith Butler when he was – here with the, the Seahawks, a great guy, super smart. What's interesting to watch him evolve is he was always a very conservative coach. I mean, he was a zone guy, not a big blitzing team. And then he transitioned, and, and they blitzed a ton. But how about now? What what are they from a defense? And maybe share some some really good players that we don't know about on the on the on the Steelers' defensive side. Yeah, I
3: mean, the last couple of years, they they kind of. They've tried to get away from blitzing as much as they had, um, uh, you know, like 2014 through 2017, 2018, when they had those great offenses, but the defenses weren't up to snuff. They spent a lot of high draft picks on defenders now, and, uh, you know, they play a lot of four-man rush, and they like to sit back and coverage. Um, what's hurt that this year is they are missing two starting defensive linemen, uh, Stefan Tuitt. Has yet to play. He's got a knee injury. He's on an IR and Tyson Alulu, uh, another former first round pick is done for the season with a fractured ankle. So they're playing with a lot of young guys up front. Uh, they've given up some rushing yards. The pass rush hasn't been as good as it usually is. So that's kind of been an adjustment for Keith. They've been trying to manufacture ways to, you know, get the pass rush going. Um, you know, you mentioned guys who are, uh, you know, maybe unknown but um you know playing pretty pretty good ball for them. Everyone knows about TJ Watt and Cam Hayward. Those guys are are all pros. Um and Nick Fitzpatrick is an all pro too, but he's he's a deep safety. Um he's just an under the radar guy around the league, I think. I think he's known in Pittsburgh, but um I don't think he's as well known around the National Football League. Came over from the Dolphins, uh ever since he's been here. He's kind of been the, the stabilizing factor in the back end of that defense. Now, he's not turning the ball over as much as he did his first two years. Um, we haven't seen the big play from him, but uh, watch him on uh, Sunday night, number 39. Really, really good football player in the back end for the Steelers.
2: Now, you guys lost a really good football player in Juju Smith-Schuster. He's been great for Ben Roethlisberger on third downs. You have Deontay Johnson still in Chase Claypool. But how do you replace Juju? You move those two guys up, but there's somebody that's coming off the bench that's going to be that third receiver spot. How does that loss affect this offense?
3: Yeah, I mean, James Washington is the number four receiver. He'll bump up the number three now. Uh, he missed the Broncos game with the groin. He's been limited the first two days uh, of, of the week. So we'll see how effective he is on Sunday. Uh, they also have Ray-Ray McLeod, who's a punt returner um you know he 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 has a chance to play a little bit in the slot, um, but a name to watch out for and he 's a really, really good young player um uh he hasn 't flashed too much yet just because i don 't think he completely knows the offense rookie second round pick uh tight end Pat Fryermuth. Um really, really impressive throughout training camp um they 've kind of slowly worked him into the offense through the first five weeks, I think. Smith Schuster's injury might speed up his development a little bit. And I think he would be perfect um to kind of fill in that slot receiver um role for the Steelers. He's 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 a big tight end, uh, but he runs routes like a receiver and he's got a great set of hands. So I think they're gonna piece it together with some versatile guys, but uh watch out for Fryermuth on Sunday night. Uh he's got a chance to step up and uh um, you know, play a big role for the Steelers in this game.
0: You know, the one thing about the Steelers, as weird as it is, we're in different conferences. It's one of the most disliked teams in the Northwest. And they, it obviously goes back to the 2005 Super Bowl. And But I, what was crazy to me uh, in that game, man, one day they traveled and they had crazy, terrible towel, yellow, terrible towel. So I know this going to be a tough place for the Hawks, man. It's, uh, that's a tough stadium to walk into for any opponent.
3: Yeah, they were only here two years ago and, uh, that was the game that, uh, Ben Roethlisberger got hurt. I think, uh, uh, I think Russell picked on Terrell Edmonds in that game. I think he threw a deep ball to DK Metcalf that, uh, you know, gave them the lead and ultimately the victory in that game. So it'll be interesting to see if Metcalf and Lockett can step up in this game with Geno Smith. Uh, I think if they can, I think the Seahawks have a chance to make this game. Uh, competitive or even win it. But, uh, you know, with Geno Smith, I think the Steelers, um, you know, they'll, they'll have a chance to spin the dial a little bit, show them some different looks. And uh, I think the Steelers got a pretty decent chance to get back to 500 on Sunday night.
2: All right. The battle of the two and threes, Ray. We appreciate your time, man. All right, man. Anytime. Appreciate it. All right. Have a good one. All right. well we return, we're going to talk to tight end Colby Parkinson. That's right here on Hawks Lock.
1: Hawks, Hawks live. live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN
2: Seattle. You are listening to Hawks Live every Thursday on 710 ESPN. Thursday night football, the Bucks get it done 28 to 7, but the Philly Eagles are in scoring position. And right now we have the privilege to talk to Seahawks tight end, Colby Parkinson. Colby, what up, man? How you guys doing? Hey, we're doing good, man. And, you know, we get these, these athletes on and we interview them. The first thing I do is I go, man, where did he go to school? Where is he from? And you're from Cali, man. I'm from Cali as well. I'm Culver City, a little more, uh, what is that, north of you um, over by the yep. airport. And you went to Oaks Christian, the prestigious Correct, Oaks yeah. Christian High School. What was that like playing in high school just with all the expectations and the, and, and, uh, the cameras and stuff? Man, it had to be a great experience.
4: Oh, I loved it. Oaks was an awesome experience for me. Um, That was kind of a a high school that I always wanted to go to uh, growing up. You know, it was a little out of the way for me, but it was something that was really on my heart that I wanted to go there. And it was a great experience football-wise, school, and, you know, they do a great job with the whole faith aspect too.
0: Where were you before that? Because it says you were born in San Ramon up in Northern California. Were you living close to Westlake and Oaks Christian before you went there?
4: Yeah, I was. So I was born up in uh, Northern California, and then actually moved up to Bellevue for a couple years, uh, and then back down for you know from kindergarten on. I was in Simi Valley, just outside of uh, Westlake.
2: And you were a hooper, man, six seven. I, I hope you hooped, man. Now, did you get any looks as a basketball player coming out of high school?
4: Uh, I stopped playing after my junior year, so I didn't get too many looks. Um, but yeah, football was kind of uh, my path um, early on.
0: So, looking at your junior year, we we're, we're kicking this one around. T- talk about the recruiting process, because your junior year, you you had 24 catches, 289 yards, four touchdowns. But you commit that December or January, I think, to to Stanford. How did we go into a camp? Does uh, it more off your sophomore year? How did, how did you end up going to Stanford?
4: Uh, yeah, so my sophomore year was kind of my first uh, year starting as on varsity and, um, that kind of kicked my recruiting off. Uh, and I, would always wanted to go to Stanford, you know, the academics and the way they use the tight end and the pro style offense was something that was uh, really appealing to me. Um, so once I got the offer right after my junior year, I committed within, you know, 24 hours.
0: Did they recruit you more off of the potential, what you were going to do in the passing game or they see you as, as a run blocker? What, what was the strengths at, for, of your game at that time?
4: Uh, early on, it was definitely uh, the pass game. Um, you know, my freshman year at Stanford, I was used mainly as a receiver. I was split out all the time, kind of all over the field. And then they uh, definitely saw the potential of me to progress to a true Y and, you know, play every down, not just passing downs.
2: Hey, Colby, I believe you broke your fifth meta torso in your foot. Is that correct? Correct, yep. Yeah, so I had the same injury when I was uh, with the Seahawks. I mean, tell me what that recovery was like. Because I know for me, it was hard for me to run as hard as I can and put that foot in the ground and really believe that it was going to hold up.
4: Yeah, it definitely took a while to get the confidence back. Um, Whether or not the foot was strong enough was kind of out of the question. As it is for most recoveries, you know, a lot of it's mental, just trusting it out there. Um, But, you know, I was able to come back pretty quick. Uh, Felt really good out there. Uh, This was last year, and, you know, after about eight weeks, I I was really comfortable running around and not really thinking about it
0: but and but you had another injury was it simul- similar to this one
4: uh it was similar it wasn't uh nearly as bad it was you know I was only out for about 4 or 5 weeks but I was running you know a week after I kind of messed it up a little bit and was back really quickly running on the field um and now you know fully confident and it's all all good
0: so you you said that you you finally got confidence in it again how- How do you get that mindset? I mean, I'm sure you know injuries around the feet you start to worry a little bit do you do you rely on your 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 colleagues there in the tight end room or significant other
4: uh so the confidence just comes from repetition uh for me, especially uh you can only do so much in rehab you know you're running routes and and all that, but it's it's nothing like the game, so getting out there and practicing and playing is. When you're when you're fully confident, it's it fully clicks.
2: So now you're healthy, you're ready to go. Describe your game to people who probably don't know who you are. What type of football player is Colby Parkinson?
4: Yeah, I'm a, I'm a six foot seven tight end who loves to catch the ball, run outs, and uh, you know has I've, I've definitely developed the blocking part of my game to be uh, reliable and something that I'll continue to work on and you know be that dependable uh, every down tight end. Do you see
0: that? I don't even know. I call it a hybrid. I mean, look, tight ends back in the day, you know, you had your hand down the ground and it was blocked first and you were an outlet second. You know, now today it's, you know, you're a wide receiver. As you mentioned, you get spread out. How do you see that you, how they use you moving forward and over the next couple of years, do you see that being moved out mostly in the passing game?
4: Uh, I think they'll try to use me all over the field. I mean, my job is, uh, or my goal rather, is to uh, be someone that, Um, You know, when I'm on the field, they're not sure what's coming. They can put me out wide. They can uh, line me up hand on the ground, and uh, we can do all different types of things and uh, really have some different creative looks based off of it. So uh, that's that's the goal for me at least moving forward and, you know, try to show what I can do uh, out there on the field.
2: He can do it all, Moyer. That's what he's saying. He can do it all. <laughs> so now let's let's go back to college now. Kobe now, your your Stanford Cardinal has a big win against Oregon in overtime. They go up top yeah. to big receivers to get it done. Then the next week they lose to Paul Moyer's oh, alma mater.
0: Thank you for bringing
2: Arizona that up. Arizona State. Just where do you think Stanford yeah. football is right now?
4: You know, they're just trying to find it. Uh I think kind of like kind of like us this year, honestly, we're uh have some great stuff going on and some stuff we, you know, we're working through and trying to, trying to click. So, uh, they'll figure it out. I know they will. And uh, I mean, that Oregon game was pretty awesome to watch as I was fired up for them.
0: So it's interesting about David Shaw. Uh, his dad, Willie Shaw was my defensive back coach at Arizona state. Probably. Oh, well, wow. I hate to say, because I've had so many great coaches in my life, but there was none finer. I mean, again, just yeah. cr- really intelligent guy. Understood. Not just the game people. And, uh, I, I probably wouldn't have made an NFL without him. I mean, he's he was that impactful in my life. But I remember Dave when I, when I think I was either on a recruiting trip. I think I stayed at, at the Shaw's house, and he was a little, and you know, he was looking up, you know, like I was, you know, he was he was in awe of me back then. Is, is all I'm saying. <laughs> um, so just just really happy. So Dave Wyman, that was more of a, a, a statement than anything on that. Uh, Dave Wyman, who went to Stanford and who I played with, also he. I said, well, give me something to ask. Uh, Colby that, you know, maybe no one knows. And he said, go ask him if they still have Sunday night flicks at Stanford. Sunday night flicks. Sunday night what? Flicks. Flicks. Yeah, so. Sunday night flicks. I knew. So I had to be prepared. I go, Dave, if he says no, I've never heard it. I got to have a, I got somewhere to go on this one. Uh But he used to say it was a big deal at Stanford that they would release uh, movies ahead of time, like three or four days. And it would be called Sunday Night Flicks. Oh. And they would release it at Stanford. Everybody would go to watch it. So, so basically, there's nothing to do at Stanford if that's all he had. <laughs>
4: I don't know. That sounds pretty exciting to me. Exactly. that did not happen uh, while we were there.
2: Hey, Colby, don't worry about it. We stream nowadays. There's no flicks. There's no flicks. Yeah, we stream exactly. good nowadays. Good point. That's true. <laughs> hey, Colby, man, we appreciate you taking time out of your day, man. Good luck. This uh this Sunday, man, Sunday night against Sunday Pittsburgh nights. Steelers.
4: That's right. Yeah, I can't wait.
2: Appreciate it, guys. God bless. All righty, thank you. That was Colby Parkinson. Man, it sounds like a good kid, man. Colby. Well, you like know me.
0: I, anybody man of faith. And you know, he he went to he talked about Oaks Christian, and why he went there. Yeah. And, you know, You kept bringing up you know faith and and academics. Why well, to Stanford academics? You know, and you know, hey, blessings at the end. That's a I'll take that in today's world any day.
2: All day, every day. That was Colby Park, Parkinson. When we come up. When we come back, get it out, Bump. we come back, we're going to talk to the professor, John Clayton, right here on Hawks Live.
3: Hawks Hawks Live. Live.
0: Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle.
2: You know what it is, Hawks Live every Thursday. You hear the funk in the background. That means we're talking to J.C., John Clayton. What's up, man? How we doing? Good, Michael. How are you? We are doing okay. We're talking football. We're watching football at the same time. We got the Eagles and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Does it surprise you? I I think I saw a stat that Tom Brady leads the league in passing yards and touchdowns. How great is that, John? Oh,
1: it's fantastic. I mean, you go back to last year, and I think what he has, uh, you know, 13 or 14 consecutive games where he's had three touchdown passes or more. He's had more 300-yard games dating back to last year than anybody in football. And the only bad part about this game is that the Eagles are playing, and, of course, that ruins the chance to watch the Kraken uh, because, again, you can see how one-sided this game is. And the Eagles, you know, though exciting a little bit on offense, just aren't that good.
0: Is Kansas City... I, I mean, I, we can't say they're done because the Seahawks are two and three. And that means now, but they don't look the same.
1: They don't. They're not the same. I mean, they're bad on defense. Uh, you know, they've gotten hardly anything out of Frank Clark. I know Chris Jones was injured last week. The secondary is not doing well. It's not like they're great at the linebacker position. They're getting no pressure on the quarterback. They've revamped their offensive line. But the biggest thing is Patrick Mahomes. I mean, dating back to last year, he's thrown about 13 interceptions. And he's never done that. I mean, he's always been, you know, one of the most accurate quarterbacks, one of the safest quarterbacks, but he's making more key mistakes than he's ever made, and they come at a critical point in the fourth quarter. And so because of that, those comebacks that he had last year, I mean, he's close, but he's not getting them. Now they lose... uh, you know, Edward Clyde Hilaire, they're running back. He's got an MCL, so he's going to be out probably three to four weeks. And uh, it, it's not a good situation. You know, he's not getting the ball as consistent to Tyreek Hill. Uh, so, yeah, they're just not the same team right now. And at the moment, I mean, the best team in the AFC West is the uh, Los Angeles uh, Chargers.
2: John, how great was the performance by Lamar Jackson? on Monday night football 37 to 43 442 yards four touchdowns is it time that people stop just saying he's a running quarterback
1: yeah i think so because again you can see you know, there's two things he's advanced on now to have a game like that with that kind of accuracy and that kind of throwing knowing the teams are doing their best to stuff the run and knowing that you know basically the uh you know the ravens are patching their running back position with you know, players off the street like La Derry, uh, Latavius Murray and uh, Devontae Freeman, and now you know having, uh, for, what it, for what it's worth, uh, Le'Veon Bell, uh, it's not the same. And so you can take away a little bit of a run, but you can't take away his runs. And so his ability to run where he's going to run for over a thousand yards and to have a game like that was just absolutely incredible. So, uh, no, in fact, I had to do a thing for the Washington Post, and I probably had Lamar too low because uh, I had to do the MVPs, and basically nine of the ten MVPs were all quarterbacks. You know, I had Derrick Henry as number ten at running back, but you know, I I put uh, for what it's worth, maybe I'm wrong on this. Tyler Murray at number one because he's five and zero. Oh. I put obviously Tom Brady at number two, Josh Allen at number three because you know he's right now the the, the biggest offensive producer as far as points in the afc roughly and then i had lamar number four
0: yeah kyler murray's starting to worry me he's he's turned out to be better than i th- I thought he would at, at this stage uh, john you were at pittsburgh from yeah. pittsburgh at mm-hmm. least before you came to seattle so two things well ah, it's just one right now but i'll follow up after um what what are they saying there about Ben Roethlisberger. Is They're, this is this it
1: for And they say this is it. Yeah. yeah. I mean because again, I mean you got a lot of people were thinking this should have been it uh you know this uh, before the season, which would have been wrong because again, where are they going to get the quarterback? I mean it's like, uh, you know, they they make they make the playoffs, they win 11 games. So, you know, it's like ta- John Snyder and that you're drafting in the 20s, where's the quarterback? I mean, because five quarterbacks, you know, went in the top 13 picks. And so, you know, and they weren't going to have the ability to trade up Into uh, 13 or 11 or so to be able to get a quarterback. I mean, it's like, yeah, you're going to replace Ben Roethlisberger with Davis Mills of Stanford? I don't think so. (laughs) So, you know, now this year, if they have a bad, if they continue to lose, now of course they won a big game last week against Denver, uh, but if they have a season right now, uh, they could end up, you know, with a top 12, top 10 pick and be in a position to move up to get a quarterback. But I think right now what you're looking at is Ben is getting too beat up. You can see that Ben, other than last week, has not thrown the ball downfield as much. I mean, for example, three of his first four games, I mean, he threw for less than six yards an attempt. And as you know, Paul, and you know, Michael, it's like, hey, uh, I mean, you need 6.4 is not good. Less than six is bad.
0: Yeah, they got they got. You know, unfortunately, I think they have to put it on the shoulders. Go, they're their first in the mm-hmm. rushing yards a game and twenty 29th rushing average. So they're they're not getting it done either way. Yeah, but they're
1: getting better right now because they had a real good game against Denver with <laughs> Najee Harris. Yeah, they did. No, he had a career
0: game. All right, so you uh, Pittsburgh guy, Seattle guy, I think Pitt the the best uh, at nighttime. The mm-hmm. best look of any stadium in the, in the National Football League is. Lumenfield, It's just the way okay. it's it. But I tell you what, I think the second best is, uh, is it still Heinz Field? Heinz Field, is, yeah. is, is Heinz Field, those terrible yellow towels waving all mm-hmm. crazy. So maybe share little differences between those two experiences when
1: people walk in and what the Seahawks are against it with that home crowd. Well, what you have to do is you have to go back in history and, uh, you know, look what happened in Pittsburgh because all of a sudden, you know, Pittsburgh in the early 70s, you know, the steel mills were starting to close. And so what ended up happening is that uh, you start losing a lot of people moving out of town because, you know, they don't have the type of high-paying type of jobs that you would have in the steel mills. And so uh, there was a real kind of lull there. Then all of a sudden here in 72, the Steelers start, they make their first playoff run with the Immaculate Reception. And then eventually, two years later, go to four out of six Super Bowls. And all of a sudden, that developed the pride that this team ha- that the city had in their football team and the pride that the city had in their in, in their Steelers and also in their city and so that was important because now you can see the fan base is about as good as it can be it's loyal it's loud I mean it cares I mean Frank I mean uh, you know Myron Cope was the one who started the terrible towels and of course uh, you know whom, ha, he was the one who uh, you know taught them all to try to wave those towels and do it, and they all do it, and they love doing it. But, I mean, they've got a great fan base. They care about this team, and they're always going to cheer it on. First time I ever cried, immaculate
0: reception. I was a diehard Raider fan, even though I grew up in Southern California because I was George Blanda mm-hmm. and Fred Blitnikoff and all those guys. First time I ever – and I was little, but I – I've never liked Pittsburgh since until we had um who's our running back sorry Franco Harris. Yeah, yeah, when we got him in 84 when Kurt Warner got hurt and I got to hang out with him for eight games when he was on our team. One, one of the sweetheart of, of sweetheart guys.
1: Oh, no question about it. A great guy. Franco in the Banco and yeah. you know all that stuff. I mean, uh, I still remember, you know, right before he came to Seattle, you know, going over to his house over in the north north side of uh, Pittsburgh and uh, you know, saying Franco, what are you doing with this holdout? I mean, you're asking for a multi-year contract, and you're in your 30s. Are you crazy? No, I deserve it. It's like I've had a great career, and I deserve a two- or three-year contract extension and all that. I said, Franco, you're not going to get it. And so next thing you know, they let him go. He ends up coming out here, and he is just a great guy.
2: John, our producer, Nassie Chobie, always gets us with some, some good stuff. And on our show sheet, he has, look, The Seahawks came into training camp with 10 corners. Three of those guys remain, Reed, Brown, and Hislop. Do you think they are content moving forward? with these guys
1: no I think that uh they're still going to continue to look I mean because again it's like uh the cornerback position I know Dave Wyman didn't believe me on this but I told him it's like the cornerback position right now is one of the most injured in football cornerback and offensive lineman and so that's why for example there was no question that Trey Flowers was going to get something quick you know Cincinnati loses Trey Waynes their high-paid cornerback from last year I mean he goes on the injured reserve list boom Flowers goes, but I think what you're looking at right now is that you know they they bring in uh, Akella Witherspoon and that didn't work out, but they were able to get rid of his four million dollar guaranteed contract. You know Flowers, I I, I don't know, is a debate whether he wanted out or not, but you know Pete Carroll at the very least said that you know they needed to go a different direction because he needed a fresh start, and so that didn't go. But uh, you know they make the trade for Sidney Jones, but I think they're still going to be looking. You know again, I don't think that they. I mean, again, I was kind of surprised they weren't willing to give up that low 2023 pick to get uh, Stefan Gilmore. But you can understand it. He's 31. He didn't have a great season last year, and he's still injured. Like, for example, he still got another week on the uh, PUP list, so he couldn't help immediately. John, it's that time. What's on your mind, Professor? Well, I guess the big thing right now is that, uh, you know, with John Gruden being let go and and wisely so because of the bad comments that he made and you know you feel bad about the fact that here's the Washington investigation going nowhere and the only people that had any kind of problems were John Gruden and Adam Schefter which is very bizarre but I think the big thing that this signals is that I think there's going to be a lot of coaching changes this year you know because you know, now what you wonder uh you know it's like the who's going to come in for John Gruden I mean, certainly you can see that Matt Nagy's in trouble. I mean, you can go through a long list of coaches that are going to be in trouble, but I think this just kind of tips it off. And, of course, uh, you know, the one that I still don't I still don't know if he can make it to the Seahawks game is Urban Meyer <laughs> because, uh, you know, Urban is so bad right now with what he does. Probably one of the worst coaches to ever come into this league. And so it's like, how's that one going to go? And you don't have great hopes for that.
2: All right, John. As always, we appreciate your time. You kick it, Keep it funky. We'll talk to you on Sunday. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, nice John. Okay, when we return, it's time for me and Moyer to talk that talk. Will Jamal Adams get his first sack on Sunday? Will Geno Smith go 3-0 and at the quarterback spot? We'll talk about that and more right here on Hawks Live.